Hello, Door Creek Church. I'm Pastor David, one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service as we continue our series, How to Talk with God. And it's exciting that we are doing this prayer series because in the times that we are facing today, it is so important for us to know how to talk to God, what it is that God expects from us when we pray and when we talk to him. So thank you so much. This, this should be good. This should help you um, with, with all the things that are going on in this world. Having that communication with God is so very important. So we're going to be looking at talking to God. We're going to be looking at one of the uh, great leaders in the Old Testament, a man that's full of wisdom, one of the richest men to ever live on the face of the earth. Yes, you guessed it, King Solomon. So we're going to talk about King Solomon and his prayer for the healing of a nation, his prayer for a nation that had turned from God. And he prayed to God that the nation would turn back to God. Let me tell you, this the past few weeks have been very, very exhausting for me. I have um, I've, I've been mentally, I've been physically tired. I've been spiritually tired. And I, I, I just asked God, I said, God, I need strength. Can I even do this? Can I teach? Can I, you know, can I push forward? Because I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And as God always does, as I was praying that, he reminded me. He said, do you remember my son Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was emotionally tired. He was physically tired. He was mentally tired and spiritually tired. But because he prayed and humbled himself and said, not my will, but your will be done. Then the Holy Spirit strengthened him. That spoke to me because, Lord, not my will, your will be done. As Pastor Mark uh, taught last week, that his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I want God's will to be done. So we're going to look at this prayer of Solomon and we're going to uh, we're going to learn and see what it is that God expects from us. We'll be coming from Second Chronicles, chapter six and chapter seven. Now, you can turn there, but I'm going to be reading portions of the prayer, not every scripture in the prayer, but I'm going to be reading portions of that prayer. So remembering that prayer is our communication with God. Okay? With communication, you must have a sender and a receiver. If there's only one or the other, it's not communication. So prayer is our communication to God. We talk to God and God speaks back to us in our hearts and in our spirits. And the good thing about it, that is God is always online. He's never offline. You'll never get a busy signal with God. You'll never get a voicemail that says, hello, you've reached heaven. I'm busy right now with hurricanes down south and um, in unrest in the east. Please leave a message. You'll never get that from God. Every prayer that we pray to God is in real time. He hears it and he will answer it. So never be shamed. Never be shy to pray. It's your communication. It's our communication with God. All right. So prayer is our 911, right? It's our 911. You know, they said, is this emergency? Hang up and down 911. It's our 911. Or I would say Psalms 91.1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So when we pray, we are resting in his shadow. So let's look at Solomon's prayer in Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. He was praying for a nation that had turned from God and his desire was to get the nation to turn back to God. And he sought God. He sought God's face. And this is what he said. 
when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you. When famine or plague comes to the land or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, or when enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease that may come. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, as Romans 3, 23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when they have sinned and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to a land far away or near. This is the part I like. If they turn back to you with all their heart and soul. See, that's the key there. It's not just a matter of turning back to God. It's a matter of turning back to God with all your heart and your soul. It's not a matter of just uttering words to God and, and saying that's praying. It's a matter of all your heart and all your soul. So if they pray and turn back with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity where they were taken and pray toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen, and toward the temple that you have was built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas, and uphold their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. This is Solomon's prayer. He is praying for a nation that has been hard-headed, stubborn, a nation that has seen itself move away from God, that has seen itself become idol worshipers, have, has seen itself withdraw from the grace and the mercy of God, a nation that stopped caring about the things of God. And Solomon wanted, to, wanted God to know that these people do have a heart. And if they turn back to you, God, if they repent with all their heart and all their soul, will you hear them from heaven? Will you forgive their sin? Solomon was determined. He was determined that God would understand or God would know that the people were in a plight. They were taken captive by their enemies. They were suffering. Their land was suffering by locusts and, and grasshoppers. They were, they were sinning and they were intermarrying and they were doing all of these things that were not pleasing to God. But there was hope. And let me tell you, people of God, there is always hope. When you have prayer, you have hope. Nothing is done until God says it's done. So Solomon had hope for the people, for, the, for Israel, for the nation. And he prayed to God that God would hear his prayer. Prayer was because of criminal activity that was happening against their neighbors, injustices that were happening. The enemy attacks, the drought, the famine, the influx of foreigners, there was racism, there was nationalism, there were things, there was hatred, there was war. And it all boiled down to sin. As he says that everyone has sin. So God, their sin, if they are sorry, 
contrite, if they ask for forgiveness, hear from your dwelling place, hear from heaven, and answer that prayer. Solomon was, 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 a, was a wise king. Solomon's fame came when he was, when he, when he was tested by two women. Who, there was a child, and these two women were both claiming that the child was theirs. And Solomon said, well, let's, let's cut the child in half and give one half to each. And the woman who really was the child's mother spoke up. And from that day, Solomon's wisdom spread abroad. So we wonder, say, why was Solomon and not David? Why was Solomon favored? Solomon built the temple that God had promised to David. God said, David, you will not build a temple, but Solomon, your son, will. So Solomon had a special place. No, Solomon was not perfect. Solomon's life ended in grief. But God used him for his glory. See, our life can have ups and downs, can have bruises and scars and bumps in, in the road. But God is always with us. God is still there. God will never leave us nor forsake us. We have the power to pray. When anyone wrongs, our, wrongs their neighbor, God frowns upon it. When the people were defeated by the enemy, that didn't please God. God when he shut up the reins, when he sent the locusts, that didn't please God. But because they had turned from God, these were the consequences. These are the consequences when we turn our back on God. So Solomon looked. He said, if they turn and repent, please forgive them. Let me tell you, when you pray, there's got to be an anticipation. There's got to be an expectation. And there's got to be a hope. You don't pray to God and not look for it to happen. Now, you don't try to make it happen in your mind or try to make what it should look like in your mind. You trust in God because God knows what he's doing and God never makes a mistake. So he's praying and he's asking God and he's saying, Father, hear them and forgive them. And what I love about Solomon's prayer is that many times we we give more attention. Uh, we don't give a lot of attention to Solomon's prayer. But what we do is we give more attention to to the response of Solomon's prayer, which is found in Second Chronicles chapter seven. You know, I, I'm growing up, I know I've, I've, I've never thought so much about the prayer that Solomon did. I always thought about God's response. But if there's no prayer. There's no response. Let me say that again. If there's no prayer to God, there's no response from God. Second Chronicles chapter seven. And many of you know this. And this is what God said after Solomon had prayed. Said so the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. God has heard his prayer and he has chosen this place. Just think about every time you get up from praying or whatever it is you end your prayer, if God spoke to you and said, I have heard your prayer. We're not going to get that every time, but that's what our faith is all about. That's what our hope and our belief and our trust is all about. That when we get done praying, we believe that God has heard 
our prayer. It doesn't mean that God has moved upon our prayer or God has done what we pray. It means that he has heard our prayer. And God does not forget our prayer. God does not. He remembers our prayers are stored up in heaven. He said, I heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And then I love this part. He says, when I shut up heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among my people. You see what God is saying? When, meaning that's telling me that this is what God is going to do. Because remember, the people had turned from God. And these are the consequences that they were suffering was the devouring of the land. It was the exile. It was the, the destruction. It was all of the things that were happening to them because they turned from God. But the prayer, God said, when I shut up the heavens, that there's no rain and the locusts devour the land and the plagues and the famine come among the people. He says, it's going to happen. But here's the big word. If. Mm -hmm. If. If my people. It's a small word, two letters, but it's big because if is the result. If uh, if is the, uh, uh, the condition, if is the condition, if my people. Now, God is not just talking about anybody. God is not just talking about um, uh, uh, any Tom, Dick or Harry. He's not just talking about any. He's talking about his people. My people who are called by my name, hallelujah, who are called by my name means you have a purpose. You have a place. Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Mm. Yeah, see, you got to realize this, that even before you pray, you got to humble yourself. Even before you utter the words, dear God, Heavenly Father, our Lord, you've got to humble yourself. That means submit to the will of God. That means submit to the authority of God. That means submit to the power of God. So even before you pray, you've got to submit yourself. You've got to humble yourself. Hallelujah. That don't mean come up to God and say, oh, poor little me. That's not humility. That's false humility. Humility is that I know I'm not much. I know I'm not perfect. I know I make mistakes. But God, to you be the glory because God, your grace and mercy is sufficient for me. And whatever you desire, God, let it be so. That's humility. So before you come to God praying, humble yourself. Glory to God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And what will he do? He will lift you up. He will exalt you in due time. So we come humble. We come with our hearts. We come with a contrite heart and our spirit, brokenness. We come to God needing mercy, needing his grace. Then we can pray. So if we humble ourselves and pray, hallelujah, communicate with God and seek my face. Now, seeking God's face don't mean just I'm, I'm looking for his face. Uh, where is his face? That don't mean seek means that if I don't find it here, I'm going to keep seeking. If I don't find it around the corner, I'm going to keep seeking. That means I'm going to be constant. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to seek his face. Seek his face. The, the word of God tells us to seek and ye shall find. He says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So we are seeking God. We are seeking his face. And then it says to turn. Turn means to repent. 
Turn means to be sorry, to repent. It doesn't mean keep doing what you're doing. Keep going the way you're going. That means to turn. Hallelujah. And we've got to have something to turn to. So when we've been going down the wicked path, when we've been going down the road of wickedness and God says turn, that means when we turn, we're going to see God because we're seeking his face. Hallelujah. We're seeking his face. Turn from their wicked ways. Here comes the condition there. Here comes the result. Then, okay, if is the condition, then is the result. Then I will hear from heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He will hear our prayers from heaven. Yes. Have you ever used the term? I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I feel like my prayers aren't going anywhere. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the devil. Your prayers don't bounce off of the ceiling. When you pray with a heart and a soul that's desiring to God, he hears your prayers. You might not know the right words. You might not end it the way the way everybody else does. You might not start it with the most proper words. But God is not just hearing the words. He's seeing your heart. And there is no perfect way of praying. Communication is talking with God and God is not just hearing your words. He's feeling your heart. He's feeling your spirit. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. This is a promise. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So all the locusts, everything that's devoured, going going in exile by the enemy, being besieged by the enemy, all the sickness, treating your neighbors with injustice and all of those things, all of those things, God said he will heal and he will forgive. If we only pray, seek him, humble ourselves and turn. These are all required. Whatever state that your life has been in today, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for the wanderer. There's still hope for the confused. There's still hope for those who are dwelling in chaos. There's still hope for you who has suffered over and over. God loves you. God loves you. And he says, just pray to me. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face and turn. I will hear from heaven and I will heal you. I will bless you. I will love you. It says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God is saying his response is the same words that Solomon prayed in chapter six. At the end, he says, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers in this place. And God repeated those words back. He says, now my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayers offered in this place, because this is the place God chose. If God chose you, if you've been chosen by God, even though scripture tells us, all things that happen in our life work together for the good of them who are who are called by the Lord, who are the called. We are called. If we are believers and we are trusted in the living God, we are called and God will hear. He will be attentive to your prayer. So prayer is powerful. Prayer. What does prayer produce? Your prayers. Our prayers produces love. Our prayers produce forgiveness, produces healing. It produces unity and it produces reconciliation. 
It produces power, power over racism, power over hatred, power over injustice, power over violence, power over prejudice and power over sin. Glory to God. This is what our prayer produces. It produces power. Not that the power is us, but the power is in God. The power is in the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And when we talk to God and we get all of that connected, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in a heart that's desiring God, that's power. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's power, people. You have the power to pray. Pray. Prayer is our greatest weapon. It's our greatest weapon. So let's use it for the glory of God. God, through our prayers, he wants to heal. He wants to heal our neighborhoods. He wants to heal our communities. He wants to heal our cities. He wants to heal our families. He wants to heal our nation. He wants to heal our world. Let's pray as Solomon did, as he prayed for the people, as he prayed for the healing of a nation. As he prayed for a nation that had turned its back on God. And he's praying now for the nation to turn to God. I pray for our nation. I pray for our world that we will turn to God. I pray for the church. I pray for every every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ, that we will communicate with God. And that if any way in our path that we have turned from God, we will turn back to him. But before you do that, you've got to humble yourself. We pray for God to transform lives to renew cities, and to change the world with his love. This is our prayer. So you might be thinking, is it too late for me? I've done a lot of wrong for a very long time. And I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe you're thinking, how can I work to gain this eternal life that God gives? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can I get this everlasting life? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift, meaning you, you can't earn it. It's a gift. Romans 5.8 also says that God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. That's the price, the gift. He died for us. What does it take, you might wonder, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Romans 10, 13 tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there are no prerequisites except the heart. It's gotta, the heart's got to be there. Got to come in humility. So whoever calls on his name, so you, if you call on his name today, you too, can be saved. Well, how do I become a follower of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me today. And you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart and in your soul. Then God will save you and you'll be a follower of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me right now? Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me For all my sins, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We would love to hear from you. Let us know if you received Christ for the very first time or maybe you've turned back to Christ and you're following him again. We want to know that. Please let us know so we can continue to pray for you because it's not over until God says it's over. We praise God for Aaron, who's going to bless us with a song as we, go, as we prepare today to share in Holy Communion. God bless. Please forgive me for going my own way. I pray that your will be done today. Forgive me for any idle words I say. And any time that I've cast judgment, negative or sarcastic and I've jumped to my own conclusion or lean on my own wisdom and any time I picked up my own agenda over yours forgive me Lord I want to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added. Sorry for the times that I've gone my own way When I sought my own direction instead of seeking your face And I'm sorry for the times that I've shrunk back in fear Instead of stepping out in faith and trusting you were near And any time that I have valued others' opinions over yours. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Cause I want to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added. All these things will be added under you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, knowing Anytime. 
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. Seek first. So today, as we celebrate uh, communion together, um, we remember and celebrate what Christ has done for us. A communion is a very sacred sharing because communion means intimate fellowship. And in many cultures, sharing a meal is a very intimate thing. And so our common union that we have, that Christ died for us, he gave his life for us, he gave his body and he poured out his precious blood. And so today we're going to join together in sharing in that holy communion. Remember, Christ says, as often as you do it, there's not how many times or how often I should do it. Do I do it every Sunday? It's whenever we do it, we do it in celebrating him and remembering what he did for us. And so today you can grab your elements and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together in Holy Communion. The word of God, Jesus says that he sent his disciples to prepare for this supper. His last intimate time of supper, of, suffer, of supping with his disciples. And he took, sat down, he gave thanks, he broke the bread. Which represents his body being broken for us. They took it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, he didn't stop there. After the same manner. After he had supped, he took the cup. It's the New Testament of my blood. As often as you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. We have communed together, honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ, who gave his body and poured out his blood so that we could be saved. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you that you are full of grace, full of mercy, full of kindness and forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus who gave his body and poured out his blood so that we could be saved. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to share in communion. Not that we have to, but we get to share in communion. Thank you for that opportunity. We love you and we honor you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you and God bless you.